Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, good morning, church. Welcome, dads. Welcome, fathers, families. Just want to let you know that it's okay to now just stop throwing things at the, at the platform, just in case you, if you do hear something in the next few minutes where you think, no, I would like to throw, it's not a good, it's not good to throw right now, okay? The game's finished. Um, nice to have you here in church. It's great to be back with the city campus and thanks to Andrew for the privilege of being able to come preach the word to you today on Father's Day. And uh, it's just great to be here and part of all that God's doing. Just such a victory in the worship this morning. I hope that uh, you're able to just glean in amongst all that was happening in the fun. There was just something I think God is doing in our midst this morning that I, I hope that he'll continue to do and bless you with as we, as we go further into today's service. So my encouragement is that for you. If today you've come with a need, if you've come with something that you know that God can do for you or that you would like God to do for you. You know, can I encourage you to hold that posture in your heart? Hold that prayer posture. I think God is, is at work and, uh, and will continue to do that. Let's just pray before we open the word this morning. Father, we thank you that you truly are our Father. God, there are many models of fatherhood in the world around us and some of them not so good, others quite good, but there's nothing like the Father heart of God. God, you are in a completely different stratosphere. You're in a completely different realm. You operate from a completely different base of unconditional, relentless, extravagant love. And God, fatherhood seen through your eyes is completely reinterpreted. Fatherhood through the redemptive actions of Jesus completely changes what being a father is about. God, no matter what earthly father or model we've experienced, Father, we cannot place that model over you because, Father, you're in a different realm completely. God, you reshape to us what it means to be found, what it means to be safe, what it means to belong what it means to be validated, what it means to be an important part of the story of creation. God, you put that in our hearts because you're a good father. And I pray today, God, that you would continue to place that in our hearts. God, as we open your word, I pray there'd be a seed of faith that we would leave today with God that will be with us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the most powerful influences we have as people is not the words that we say, but the things that we do. You know, I think we acknowledge that generally as wisdom. We often say that words are cheap, you know, but it's actually what people do that leaves a lasting, a lasting effect. In fact, it's, it's the example of the behaviour, the repeated patterns of things that we do. Even though at times our words may fail, people observe us in the way we work, in the way that we live, in the, in the way we react or the way that we, we do life. And through that, they are influenced in some way. As fathers or as men or as mothers, as women, 
Whether today you're a father or not, whether you're a man uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a situation of influence, whether you're a woman in a situation of influence, whatever that might be, and let's face it, in everything we do, we're people of influence, aren't we? There's people around us watching us all the time. People are observing you and the things that you do more than they're listening to the things that you say. And what they observe us doing are the patterns of our life, the repeated things that we continually do over and over. And really the legacy that we leave around us is the impact of these repeated patterns, the behaviours of our life. And for the dads that are in the room today, I just want to encourage you, you know, sometimes we don't always say the right things. Not oftentimes we don't know what to say in certain situations. And maybe at times we've even said the wrong thing. And it's betrayed our heart. We've actually wanted to say this and we actually said that. But I, I believe this to be true, that the legacy that we leave is not so much the things that we say, but who are you on the inside? Who are you is the part of the patterns that come out of you on a repeated basis. And today I want to look at an example in Scripture of a legacy passed on from one generation to another. And the great thing about the story we're going to look at is it's not a great story. It seems like it should be a great story on the outside, but actually it's a story that has great brokenness at the heart of it. And it kind of encourages me because it tells me that not everything that's perfect, sorry, not everything has to be perfect in order for the legacy to be good. Sometimes God's at work beyond those things. And the story I want to look at today is the story of Solomon, King Solomon, as he lived his life after his father, King David. There was a passing of the baton from King David to King Solomon, and there was a legacy that shifted from one to the next. The challenge is this, though, that Solomon grew up in a family that was at times amazing and delightful. He grew up with a father that knew the heart of God, that wrote some incredible poetry, that was a musician, that, that ruled and brought a kingdom together that before that didn't exist. He enjoyed the blessing and the favour of God over his kingliness, over his office, over the thing that God called him to. But on the flip side of that, he had a terrible family. David's family was dysfunctional at the very best. David's family was lecherous, was traitorous, was backstabbing. They were not a loyal group of people at all. I can't imagine what happened amongst the wives, but I don't think they were a unified group either. You know, So we're not talking about happy family gatherings. When David got together on Father's Day, it wasn't fun. In fact, I don't even think they did Father's Day for David because I don't know that everyone loved him. There was something about David that was wonderful between him and God but not so good between him and people. Yet in spite of that, something passed from David to Solomon that was of great value, great eternal value that God honoured. And I want to have a quick look at that if I can. Just some of the, some of the challenges that face Solomon is this. When David was nearing the end of his life, there was a great competition for the throne. There was his third son called Absalom. Absalom was known for his beauty. In fact, the Bible said he was handsome above everybody else. So much like Andrew Serkham, really. You know, the sort of guy that you look at and say, gee, I'd like to have looked like him, but I just wasn't blessed with that, you know. He had long flowing hair. In fact, the Bible even says it was such great hair that every year it grew a certain length. They actually measured how much of his hair grew every year and they had to keep cutting it. And the locks were so thick, they sold it in the marketplace. 
like not unlike today, I guess, really, but Absalom. But he wanted to be king. And so he engineered a lecherous, traitorous coup against his father. He, he went and basically amassed an army and to start, started to actually take over or try to take over the kingdom until we won't be looking at his story until essentially in the battle for the kingdom, he hung himself by his hair from a tree and died. And so that was the end of his great go at the kingdom. That was the third son. Adonijah, the fourth son, his dad is lying on his deathbed and he makes a play for the king, the king's kingship, by getting, conspiring with Joab, who is the head of the army, and Abiathar, who is the high priest. So, of course, you need the army and the church behind you, don't you, if you're going to take over a kingdom. And so he's got these two men who are David's men on his side. And so he begins to amass his movement to take hold of the kingship. But Bathsheba, David's wife, Solomon's mum, hears of this, politically makes some manoeuvres and gets David on his deathbed on his last breath to say, no, Solomon will be king. The only problem with that is Solomon's 12 years old. And Solomon comes into the kingship at that time. Of course, Solomon at 12 issues the only commands you can against the fourth brother, your stepbrother, and that is he has him killed. And then, of course, he has the head of the army, Joab, killed. Then he has Abiathar, Abiathar, the the head of the church. Rather than kill the man of God, he sends him out to another kingdom. Don't kill the man of God. And now here he is as a 12-year-old as the king of Israel. Solomon stands right now in a time of great crossroads. He's barely a teenager and he's taken over one of the greatest kingdoms of the world to that day. Now, what we're going to look at today is not necessarily what happened with Solomon. Solomon had a great life of blessing. He had a great life of excess. He had a great life of extravagance and he had a great life of decadence. And all of those things are true and you can study Solomon from lots of different lenses. But one thing was for sure, Solomon set his course well from the beginning. And God blessed him from the beginning because of the legacy of his father. Something came from David in spite of all of this lecherousness, in spite of all of this treacherousness, in spite of all of this murder, in spite of all of this intrigue and political manoeuvring, all of the things that were happening around him, there was still something from David that passed to Solomon. I don't know how bad your family is today, but I'm trying to give you a little bit of a context. It's probably not as bad as that. I know there could be some great stories to hear here today, but that's a pretty poor story. The Woman's Weekly would have had a field day with this mob had they been around in that time. Solomon was known for his wisdom, but at 12, he's standing at a crossroads moment. And I want to read to you just this crossroads moment, how something passed on, he made a great choice. It's in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3. If you've got your Bible, have a look at it with me. Otherwise, you'll see on the Mario screen behind me, the scriptures coming up. It wouldn't happen in the high church Anglican, but it's happening here today. 1 Kings 3 and chapter 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father, David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand birth offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? 
And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is to this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you've asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honour, so that there shall be not anyone like you among the kings all your days. If you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. God comes to Solomon and says, ask, what shall I give you? When I think about that moment, I think a little bit like Walt Disney's Aladdin. It sort of feels a little bit like the genie in the bottle moment, doesn't it? This is the God of heaven who has the power of all power. And he comes to the 12-year-old, almost 13, and says to this young man, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. It's a pretty powerful moment, really. It's a moment where the heart can be revealed. It's a moment where the true values on the inside can come out. And we've seen plenty of stories down through the ages of the three wishes, haven't we? You know, you've got three wishes to choose this and choose that. And basically, when you look at all the stories, they always unravel because people choose the wrong thing. Or they choose the thing that's going to be so, um, so addictive to their soul that it ends up destroying them in the end. This same choice is in front of the young Solomon. I wonder what would you have said? If God came to you today and said, ask, you can have whatever you want, what would you have said? What would be your answer today? Would you be ruled by the circumstances that you're in right now? Would you see a long-term view? Would the mission of the heart of God rule your heart at this moment? What would you choose? What would be the one thing that you'd want if God asked you that same question? And the funny thing is, God identifies what everybody else normally chooses. God says to Solomon, well, you didn't choose riches because that's what everybody else would choose. And God says to Solomon, you didn't choose a long life because everybody else wants to live a long life, not just a long life, but a long healthy one. Everybody else wants that. The other thing you didn't choose is you didn't choose that all your enemies would be defeated. And that's an interesting one because remember, he just killed his brother for the throne. There's a lot of people that wanted what he had and they're all probably still seething in the background. There's a bunch of wives of David that still were alive. I'm sure the political feeling of the court wasn't great. The pressure on him to want to know his enemies had gone, that he didn't actually not wake up one night because someone had come and sort of stabbed him. He didn't choose that either. 
God says, it's incredible. The problem is today, we're surrounded by a world that's actually trying to make the other three wishes come to pass. They're the great desires of the human heart. We want riches. We want more resources than we've got life to live it. We want to be able to do what we want when we want. We want the resources to be able to just choose to buy, choose to not work, choose to do what we want to do. It needs resources. So riches are really important. If you pick up the Sunday Mail today and read the lifestyle section, you'll read all about riches, about long, healthy living, and you'll live, read about how to be free from your enemies. Today, perhaps they're the enemies of the mind, the enemies of the soul, the person at work, the outmaneuvering you've got to do to get the job, the role, how can you position yourself for the pay rise, whatever. It's different language, but nevertheless, the enemies that try to come against us. And God honoured Solomon because he didn't choose those things. I want to look at four things this morning. There are four things that Solomon had in his heart that made him choose well. And I think they're the four things that came from his dad's heart. And if you're a dad today, what I hope you hear today is this, is that there's hope for you yet. <laughs> there's hope for me yet. There's something in my example, if I could take these four things and I could begin to live them out of my own life, that someone around me hopefully will see something, maybe not on everything that I say is perfect, but my intent of my heart is true. The first thing that I think that Solomon got from his dad was that he could see that his life was not his own. And the people that he'd been called to belonged to God and not him. You notice in the scripture that he said that these are your people and I am your servant. And God, I don't know how to serve them. He used all the right language. He used the language that said, I know I'm not really king. What I really am is someone that needs your help because these aren't my people, they're yours. And I am a steward of the life that you've given me. He realised that nothing that he had was because he earned it. He realised that God had given it all to him. And my challenge to you today is this. Do you realise that in your heart of hearts that everything you have today is from God? Is that the thing that sits in the intent of your heart, in the very essence of who you are? It's not, I did it my way. It's not that I built it all on my own hands. It's not that at all. It's because of the grace of God that I have what I have today. That my life is not my own. It's easy to believe it's all about us. It's easy to believe that I am the centre of my world. But what Solomon did at 12 was he realised that actually he wasn't the centre. And so he, it created a humility of heart that was the basis of the rest of the answer he gave God. The second thing I think that Solomon got from his father David was that the unseen realm is more important than the realm that is seen. The unseen realm. Because Solomon turned his back on the three big gods of the seen realm. Riches, long and healthy life, and enemies defeated. He didn't choose those things. They're the things of the seen realm. They're the things that people look at and say, oh my, how great is the king? Oh my, how successful is that person? Oh my, how wonderful is their repute? Surely they are great people. But Solomon chose the unseen realm. Believe me, I believe this is one of the hardest choices for the Western world to grasp. That everything that's in the seen realm has come from the unseen realm. The unseen realm is the birthplace where everything of value comes from. The problem is it's unseen. So oftentimes it's unvalued. 
David wrote the 23rd Psalm and he wrote about the Lord being his shepherd. David said, I, I won't want because my, I have the Lord my shepherd. Now we know that God is not a shepherd per se. God is God. But God, David was taking the idea of the God that he knew and he was putting language around it because in his heart, in the unseen world of his heart, he'd started to define God. He'd started to, to get categories for God. He'd started to sort of get a way of being able to explain God because it came out of his experience. Because of his lived experience, he, he, this wasn't a God that was way away like a brass God or a stone God or a God that, that didn't move or didn't act. David knew God and so he was explaining God but he was trying to use words of the unseen realm so that people could hear the God that he knew. It was a God who was a shepherd. He was going to help him lie down in green pastures. But we know that David didn't spend his whole kingship lying down on the grass. David was a king. He had things to do. But in his heart, in the unseen world of his heart, he was lying in green pastures. He was, his soul was being restored when he met with God. See, it was the unseen world that mattered to David. David retreated to the unseen world all the time. He didn't always get it right in the seen world, but he kept retreating to the unseen world. And he was describing a world and somehow in the world he was describing, Solomon was listening. Solomon was watching his father's behaviour. He was watching his dad retreat to lie in green pastures. He was with a God that when he was with God, he feared no evil. He's protected. His head was anointed with oil. His cup runs over with joy. This shepherd God that he was serving had an inner reservoir he was giving his life and Solomon watched his dad draw from that reservoir every single day. Something rubbed off. Solomon started to realise, hang on a minute, there's a greater value that my dad has seen, not in the things that he rules over, but the things he doesn't rule over, but he serves. There's a world, there's another world. What is that world? Dads today, are we leaving that impression on our kids? Is there a world that we're plugged into, that we see, that we are connected to, that we draw life from? Are, they, are the people around us understanding that? Thirdly, Solomon learnt that the God of the unseen realm desires personal connection. It wasn't just an unseen realm of principles. It wasn't just an unseen realm of of. of of forces at play, it was actually a personal God. There was a real personal God, powerful but personal. And he wanted connection with the human beings that would connect with him. David said in Psalm 63, O God, you are my God, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. See, he's talking to his friend. He's talking to this person that, that he knows that if he seeks him and finds him, his friend will be faithful to him. And Solomon must have watched his father do this routine constantly and thought, hang on a minute. Dad's got something here that no one else has got. You know what I love about it is because he would have seen a bunch of other mistakes his dad had made. He would have understood that his dad wasn't perfect. He would have understood that, 
that somehow or other his family wasn't perfect and his dad had a bit of a responsibility to that. And in spite of all of those things, though, there was still something being transferred across the legacy barrier from father to son in spite of that brokenness. Hey, I don't know, guys, today, but I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by that. I don't know how to live perfectly, but I know I I, I can live towards God. And if I can pass anything on to anybody, my hope is that they'll watch that and say, well, that's a good flow. That's a good place to orient myself. That's a good focus for my heart. That's a good place to retreat to. That's a good place to find strength in. That's a good place to go to when I'm feeling overwhelmed. That's a good place to draw what I need every day. Notice also too, it's interesting, Solomon is often credited with having great wisdom, which is true, the Bible says it. But that's not what Solomon asked for. Solomon actually asked for understanding. And when you look at the Hebrew word understanding, it actually means a heart that hears. So what Solomon asked for was a heart that hears. A heart that hears. It's easy to have a heart that's open but not necessarily a heart that hears what God is saying. And what he wanted was that. See, what's the point in a heart that hears? See, if you don't have a heart that hears, you can't have a personal connection to God because God's going to speak in the unseen place in a way. He's not going to write it on the wall. He's not going to necessarily put it in the clouds. Although, you know, God, there's many signs. I realise that, and I'm not taking away from how God could nudge you. But mostly God doesn't work like that. God works through the hearing heart. He works through the heart that's able to look past the circumstance into the spiritual reality of what God's doing, and we see God at work. And we use words like that. I saw God at work. I heard him speak to me. Well, how did that happen? Your heart heard it. And so Solomon asked for the keys to the kingdom of God. It's very similar to a scripture in Romans 10 verse 17 that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, you can't know faith unless you have a heart that hears God. The hearing of God produces the understanding that God has spoken to me. It's bro- He's broken through this realm of being this unknown being to now being a personal being who sent me a direct message that I know is from Him. And folks, can I tell you today, there is nothing more powerful for the human heart than a word from God. It changes everything. It changes your posture. It changes your outlook. It puts faith inside your heart because faith comes by hearing. And so wisdom and faith are two sides of the same coin. Why? It's because it's God's perspective. When God gives his perspective, now I've got wisdom, but I've also got the faith to act because I now know what God wants to do and he's going to be faithful to that word. It looks like wisdom to everybody else, but it's faith in my heart. I have no doubt that Solomon would have stepped out to do things that were bold and amazing 
projects. I mean, Solomon was credited for building one of the most incredible cities. The Queen of Sheba came and sat at his feet for three months to study what he did. She studied the court, how people come and how they went. He looked at the, the systems. He built this incredible aqueduct system where water could come in and out of the city. And so if they were under siege, they, they couldn't be under siege in that way. The food supply system was amazing. The sanitary system of, of the day was amazing. Solomon had an incredible way of putting together the system, the civic duties that were needed so that the town would run well, the cities would run well and people would prosper. And the Queen of Sheba came and said, wow. And he built this temple of the Lord that was incredible. He, had, he overlaid the whole thing on the inside with gold. Then he built his own house and it took 13 years to build his own house. That's a house, man. My wife watches Three Birds Renovations. You know, she's doing that course. She loves renovating. It's a, it's a wonderfully expensive pastime of our family. <laughs> Such a joy, although it's, it's also a blessing. <laughs> but I'm hoping we never take on a project that takes 13 years to do. That's a heck of a reno. Solomon built this place for 13 years. I mean, people came from all over for the wonders of what Jerusalem looked like. They were still carting out the treasures decades afterwards as, as, as the city got sacked and things happened to Israel. They were still carting it out for decades because such was the wealth of the place. Folks, Solomon had insight that only God could give him. But it was faith. I have no doubt that he stepped out in faith saying, this is what I know God wants me to do. But it looked like wisdom to everybody else because it always worked. That's the difference. People say human beings look at those sort of things and call them wisdom, but really it's faith. We step out with God and God comes through and people go, wow, that was a wise thing to do. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Actually, I was incredibly fearful, but I put my faith in God and God came through. That's what's happening on the inside of the heart. The hearing heart is the key to living connected with a personal God. And if there's one thing we could pass on to anyone around us, whether you have children or not, whether it's just people in your lives, people around you, whether you be male or female today, is the heart that hears. Fourthly, Solomon learnt from his father that he could trust the faithfulness of this personal God. He could trust the faithfulness. See, Solomon got a glimpse from his dad what faithfulness meant. See, we often see faithfulness as us praying to God. But what you've got to understand is that faithfulness is a quality of God back to us. God has to be faithful because that's who He is. God knows that you can't be whole without Him in your life, that He is your highest good. You can look for it everywhere else. You can look for it in riches. You can look for it in, in pursuing healthy life, healthy eating, good exercise, all the right disciplines. You can pursue it over here by ensuring that you've got no enemies or that you're protected from your enemies. And you can build the storehouses and you can fill them all with grain and you can do all those things. But God knows at the end of the day, they're not the things that are going to make you happy. They're actually only going to come to an end at some point. God knows it and that's why he faithfully keeps himself present in our life. He just keeps coming back. He stands there because he knows if he withdraws himself, you will lose the very thing that will make you whole and give you joy and give you peace. 
And so he waits and he waits and he waits and he waits and he stands by your life. He stands there. Behold, I stand at the door of your life and I knock, Revelation says. He just, that's what he does because faithfulness just keeps knocking. Faithfulness just keeps waiting. God will not quit on you. God will not stop coming to you. You cannot shake God off your tail. You can't. Even if you want to, you can think the worst thoughts in the world. You can do whatever you try to. You can go to the lowest depths, David said. Even if I go to Sheol, which was another name for hell, there you still are. See, David understood faithfulness. And so he knew that no matter what he did, God would be faithful to him. And you can say, well, doesn't that open the door to take it for granted? Not really. Because the more you know the faithfulness of God, the more you fall in love with the faithfulness of God. And the more you want to please the faithfulness of God. It's why God commands us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. It's why God commands us to seek the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. See, they're the two things God commands in the New Testament. They're the two big commands. Seek the kingdom of God with all your heart, mind, sorry. Seek the kingdom of God first, then all these things will be added. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Two things. God does not command what you can't do, because he'd be cruel if he did. He commands what he knows you can do. And the reason he wants you to do this is that we will only see faithfulness when we're acting out of faithfulness. See, you can't see the faithfulness of God until you become faithful to God. Otherwise, it's just, it just comes past you. His goodness and His grace is constantly flowing around you, but you can't see it. Except when you start loving Him and now you start to see it. That's the difference. The faithfulness of God, we see it. Our heart sees it as we become faithful back to God. The four things I think that helped Solomon choose well. And so Solomon then came to God. When God asked him the question, he said, God, give me a heart that understands. Because then if I've got that key, the rest of it will be okay. It's the same as the command to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Can you notice that God's a God of patterns? Even in the Old Testament or the New Testament, if you seek him first, he adds the stuff. Seek him first, he adds the stuff. It seems to be the way God works. God knows that he is faithful in our future. If you're looking for something to place your future hope in, place it in God. We need God. God knows this one thing. I just want to close on this point. And that is that God knows that human control is a myth. You and I don't have control over much, really. You know, we have a fleeting opportunity to, to maybe steward some things for a little while. But it's only for a season. It's only for a short time. And we can allow that to fill us with anxiety. We can allow that to fill us with the fact that, you know, that really the world does shift quite quickly. We can fill our viewfinder with that and we can start to meditate on the fact that really it's quite a transient bit of control we've got at the best of times. The wealth that you've amassed, you'll hold it for a while. But after a while, it'll slip through your fingers. It'll slip through another generation. It'll go somewhere else. Your health, you'll have it for a while. But then after a while, we all get old at some point. Something starts to creak and groan and something breaks down. And 
You'll have it for a while. We can get caught in the anxiety of that or God knows that that is the possibility of our soul except if we surrender to Him. And in our surrender to Him, we get free of the anxiety of control. But it works against our natural understanding because we just want to hold on tighter. If we can just grip it a bit tighter, we won't let it go. And we get so caught up in gripping it tighter, we forget that really the person who's asking us to let go and surrender, it's in the surrender that we actually find that we lose our life and find it. God introduces us to a whole new way of thinking and believing. And that the peace and the joy we've been looking for is found in Him. The act of surrender. The act of surrender. The priorities of the kingdom, the unseen world, they're the legacies. They're the legacies of a good father to us. My challenge to us today as men, as fathers, perhaps as women, as mothers, and whether you're not, maybe that's not your place today, maybe you just, you're, you're, you're a university student. You're still a person of influence. Your life is actually, it's like a drop in the ocean though. It hits and the ripple effect comes out. Everywhere you go, you influence someone. If you're a person of influence today, my challenge to you is this, is that there is a, there is a legacy you're leaving. What are people picking up? What is the life of surrender you are living? What is the unseen world you're tapped into and how do people partake of that from you? Are they watching that? Are they learning from that? Are they being influenced by that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are the God that sets new patterns for us. God, you're the God that wants us to choose you because when we choose ultimate faithfulness, we enter into a realm that blesses us and nourishes us and fills us like nothing else can. Father, I pray today you'd help us release the anxieties that we carry about our future. Because when we do, we release it to a trusting and loving and faithful God who actually wants for us the very things we're trying to grasp. Help us to see that. Help the eyes of our understanding to realise that it's not what I do that makes that happen, it's who I surrender to. Would you help us surrender today? More and more, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. I just really believe that God wants to minister to a few groups of people this morning. And I've tried real hard. That clock is relentless. It just keeps moving. Tried so hard to get through that so that we can pray. Men, I'd love to pray for you this morning. I love whether today you're a father or not, whether you're a young man who's yet to find the girl of your dreams so that one day you'll have your own Father's Day, whether you're a person that's come from a family of good fathering. Perhaps even today there may be people here, you were fathers, but through tragedy today, the opportunity to be father is not there for you. I probably couldn't possibly list all the scenarios, but one thing we've all got in common is we're men and we aspire to leave a legacy to people around us. If that's you today, would you stand? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love us as a church to pray over you. I'd love those 
around us to pray over you. I think there's a blessing of the Lord today. You know, men are fixers. We fix stuff. Whether you're a practical guy or whether you're an impractical guy like me, you still want to fix things. You don't like seeing things broken. You don't like seeing people not happy. You don't like seeing people not fulfilled or things not working. We're fixers. The problem with being a fixer is control becomes part of our currency. We want to fix it and we want it to stay fixed. And we want to do everything we can to see it stay fixed. The challenge of that though is then surrender becomes real difficult. We come to a God of heaven and particularly when we're talking about God in the male form, particularly the Aussie male, we say we want you to love God with all your heart. Something inside the Aussie male often goes, well, how do I do that? How do I love God? And yet there is a love God wants to place in your heart. There is a way to love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And it's not easy to understand what it is to be a man unless you are a man. But these are our challenges. Our challenge for control and surrender is hard. Our challenge to love and to love God is difficult. We don't always see the unseen things. We're more inclined to see the the things that are seen. We're more inclined to be practical. And when people talk philosophical, we go, what the heck is that? Can we just boil this down to something real, please? But God knows that about you. God knows that about you. And so all He wants from us in this moment is just an opening of our heart that says, God, I just, I know it must be true that You are God. And so help me take one more step closer to the realisation of that. Let me carry that a little bit more in my heart every day. Every day, just a little bit more. The God of heaven likes me, loves me and wants to be with me. You know, I reckon if I could massage that thought into every Aussie male today, the nation would change overnight. By that. Can I just love us to put our hands towards these guys that are standing? Ladies, there's always Mother's Day and times to celebrate you and we do celebrate you and we love you so much. But I love us today. It's not easy being a man today in this society. It is not simple. It's not easy growing up as a young man in this society either. I'd love us to bless these men. We're going to bless them in the Spirit today. Come on, just put your hand towards them. If it's a man that you know, even more so. If there's someone that you don't know, but they, you know they need someone praying for them, put your hand towards them today. Father, I pray across every man today. Some of these men need victory and breakthrough today. God, some of these men have a dream for wholeness in their heart that needs to start happening today. God, some are desperately looking for more peace and more joy than what they currently have today. God, some are looking for restoration of relationships today. God, some are looking for there to be a newness that would come forward, new opportunities, new businesses that would rise, new places for them to invest themselves, new purposes that could unfold before them. God, there are many needs that are standing before You today, but You see them all. Father, I pray for every man, God, that You would bless them today. 
God, let their manhood be honoured before You today. God, you, you know the gifts that You've placed in them and You love the gifts that You've placed in them. God, but You're calling them deeper into Your heart. Father, I pray that You'd help us surrender more as men. God, You'd help us to love more as men. God, You'd help us, Lord, to lay down at times we're quick to speak. God, help us be slower to speak. God, help us be quick to say, I'm sorry. Help us be reconcilers. God, I pray for every man here that, Lord, their hearts would be seen by the people around them. God, that they'd know that others understand them, Father. Father, forgive us for our pasts. Help us to put them away, to place them in the sea of forgetfulness. God, we just pray you'd help us live godly lives before you. We want to honour you more. We ask you to bless the work of our hands. Help us. Help us with our relationships, God. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just some men standing. Just, just you're welcome to sit. Please sit. You don't have to stand necessarily, but I actually was feeling as I was praying for us today, and it doesn't have to be necessary men today. There's some, some, somebody here, and it's you're under extreme mental pressure at the moment. Extreme mental pressure. I just felt the burden of us. I was praying for the day. Just it. We've we all come in and out of seasons of pressure. But you know yourself, this is a time where you feel like you could snap if this goes any longer. I just feel like God sees you today and He wants to intervene. He wants this peace and His joy just to flood your heart. There's going to be a breakthrough. I think God's got a word for you today as well, a word of encouragement. If you've got the courage this morning, I'm going to ask you, where are you? I want to pray for you this morning. Would you just pop your hand up for me? I'm going to pray for you. I think God's got a, a date of destiny for you right now. I don't think He's told me about this to embarrass you. I think He's told me because He wants to see breakthrough. And you've asked for it. Like you've asked for it. You've said to God, help me. I'm not... Okay, we're going to pray. We're going to pray this morning. There's somebody else. But this is absolutely true. We're going to pray here. This is so important. But there is somebody else. Yeah, is that you? There's somebody else. There's one more person. Yeah, there's more people. That's it. There's more. That's good. I just, my Spirit of God wouldn't let me go. Uh, how are we going to do this? Can I get you to help me pray too? So the ministry team, is there a, you got a couple of people we could just grab? What I might ask you to do is, could you stand around the people that are standing right now? Those of you, you've got your mask on, it's probably the easiest thing to do. Just jump, if you've got some faith in your heart to pray this morning, you just feel like, and I don't care, man, woman, boy, child, whatever, just jump up, surround these guys. We're going to start to lay hands on them and just believe God for breakthrough. God's going to do something this morning. He's going to do something this morning. He's going to do something this morning. There is a word of victory. 
just begin to pray. I'm not going to pray yet. I want you to pray in your groups around them. Just allow your voice to be heard. Allow God to lead you as you pray. Go ahead. Start praying. The rest of us, let's just be praying for those groups that are praying around those people. Just let your faith release. See those bonds broken. See those things happen. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Carl, I just I just feel in the spirit to say this today from I think from the heart of the Lord. There is, it's like you've held the line and you've, you've held that line because you've needed to display a certain strength. It's like you've kind of stood there, uh, you know, and, and, and you've, you, but you've stood in your human strength. And it's not that you haven't asked God for strength. Of course you have. But you've stood there and it feels like you can't hold that line any longer unless, unless you're filled with some other power. I feel like God's saying to you, you don't need to hold the line anymore. You don't need to hold the line anymore. Your place is back with me. Your place right now in this season is in the place of retreat. Not retreat because victory isn't there but retreat because that's the place all armies go to be restored. Retreat's the place where armies go back to the tent, they go back to base camp, they go back to the place where they're refueled, where they get the sleep that they need, they get their wounds tended to, they get their armour beaten back into shape again. And all that starts to happen so that they're able to go back again to hold the line. But this is your season for that place, base camp. Come back to me. God has got words He wants to fill you with. God has got insights He wants to give you. God wants to broaden your faith. God wants you to understand more of His heart. God's going to gift you with revelation. 
It's going to flow. There's going to be a deeper sense of the spirituality of your life that God's going to place in and around your life. And by no means is it a soft thing. It's a place of faith. It's a place where God is going to show you how to defeat your enemies on half the energy. God's going to show you the place of authority and power. God's going to show you the place of how to release the words of faith, the words of victory. Where the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and are safe. And God's going to show you what it means to stand in the name of the Lord and allow His name to become your armory, your weaponry. And so today, my, I believe the Lord is saying to you, Come, my son, come into my name and retreat. Sit at my feet. Allow me to reinvigorate you. It's not just rest for the soul, it's equipping for the spirit. And there's a big difference. And Father, I pray today, God, over your son, God, I pray you'd bless him with faith for that, God. Give him the strategies of heaven, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you all for praying. Thank you for standing. I believe God's given something. I just have one word for you, my brother. Just, just as, as Cirques was praying before, starting to pray over you, I felt like God said this, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The accusation, the, the words that have been written or said, I can't tell, one of the two, that have sort of tried to come to rob from you and steal from you, God is roaring against them. God is agitating against them because God will not let the accusation stand. God is going to breathe on it and it's going to go to dust. What seems like it is a, is a thing that's coming at you is actually going to crumple under the hot breath of God Himself. And God has chosen to defeat that enemy for you. And your place will be to stand and watch the victory of the Lord. For the day of the Lord is at hand for you. The day of the Lord is at hand for you. And those words are going to stop. The accusation is going to stop. The claim that those words are trying to have over you is going to come to nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.